What is the one thing that you swear you'll never tell anyone else? Your husband doesn't know? Your wife doesn't? I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. I'm not going to ask you to confess it here. But your husband doesn't know? Your wife doesn't know? Your kids don't know? Your mom doesn't know? Your dad doesn't know? The people around you don't know? It's the one thing that you're just going to stay hush-hush about. This one, this one has too much shame attached to it. All of us, all of us struggle with some of the things. That, and even when we confess those things, we confess them with excuses and in a, a light that makes us look better than we actually are. Today, we're going to take the time to talk about what to do with shame. As you know, we've started this series in a response to the fact that for 20 years, I've been preaching to you, 20 years of telling you to stay away from sin and not to fall into sin and watch out for the traps of sin and don't pursue sin and develop an appetite not for sin but for Jesus. And I never talk to you about what to do after you've blown it. What to do after you've messed up. And so we've been in this series. And so if you want to go to the uh, beginning of the series, you can go online and you can get that in our uh, podcast or in our uh, website. But here's what I I need you to do. And by the way, this is uh, last week we started talking about Psalm 51. And the point of talking about Psalm 51 was to address our shame. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to address our shame shame. And so how do we deal with our shame after we've messed up, when there's no excuses, when there's no way we can uh, fight these things? What, how, how can we address it? What can we do? Today we're going to deal with that. We're, we could have gone to a hundred different places, but today we're going to go to Psalm 51, where David, after David was confronted with his sin, and he's, because listen, I don't know about your shame, but my shame digs me in a pit that I can't even see daylight anymore. I go so dark and so low that I feel like I'll never come out again. See, we need to hear this message today from God's word. We need it because every one of us will experience moments where we finally see who we really are, and we don't like what we see. Where we do the thing and we go, I I, I don't know where that came from. And then God is like raising his hand. He goes, I do, I do. Where we go, that wasn't like me. No, 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 beloved, that was every bit of you. And that's why it hurts so much. Because it was. So we're going to dig deep into this psalm, but I'm going to go into this psalm. You know what I'm going to go into this psalm? I'm going to go into this psalm like a, like a person who takes you around a museum. You know, you have like an hour to go through a museum. They don't go through 
every single exhibit that's in the museum, what they do is they go, and here are the bones found in, you know, archaeological site, blah, 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 blah. And over here, the indigenous people, blah, 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 blah. And they tell you that, but they don't tell you everything. So I'm going to go through this song, because if we try to go through every point of this psalm, it might take the rest of our lives. It is such a profound psalm, but it's a psalm for those who have blown it. It's a psalm for those who have no other recourse. It's a psalm for those who are so discouraged by their own sin. Now, here's the thing. When we go into this psalm, I want you to recognize that there's three kinds of people who are listening to this message, at least, at least three kinds of people. There are people like me who have blown it so bad and have done such sin that I can't even believe. I can't even believe that those, th those moments were me. I mean, real, real, real bad. Soul scarring bad. Family scarring bad. Bad. So maybe you're like me. Bad. And, you, and you're so in the pit. You're so in the dark that you feel like God will never, ever forgive you. Maybe you're on this side with me. But then there's another group of people. And you're pretty good. And you don't, like, do real bad stuff. You just do, like, little bad stuff. You know, you might take a pen that doesn't belong to you. You might, uh, I don't know. But, but you go, well, you know what? I, I see that we're going to talk about shame. and Maybe this is not for me. Beloved, what I need you to know about today is that that could be you. And that the people who are most susceptible to do the things that they never thought they'd do are the people who think they'll never do it. Are the people who think, I'll never go that far. Anybody here? Anybody, I just wonder if I'm the only one. Anybody here say, I swear, I'll never go this far. And then you went that far and then some? Yeah, only once or twice. Yeah, all right, for the three of you. Okay, cool beans. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then there's a third type of person. There's a third type of person. There's a person who's blown it so bad they so desperately need to hear, but they're so in the dark. And then there's the person who thinks that'll never be me and I want you to watch out, please. But and then there's a lot of us who are here and you're like, you're like one of these plateau Christians. So like you, you go through life and you sin and then you, you feel terrible about it and you feel bad about it and then you go back and you go, God, help me. And you just feel terrible and you just, but and then two weeks, two months, two years later, you're back to that same sin. This is for you. And you don't feel like you grow. You don't feel like you move on in your Christian maturity. You don't feel like you're, 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 you're growing the way God wants you to grow. This message is for you. And for all three of us, all three types of people that are in this room, this message is important because, listen to me, your life is at stake. Your joy is at stake. You know what people over here do? What they do is they go, if, if I've already gone this far, I might as well stay here because there's no forgiveness for me. They go hopeless. You know what people over there do when they finally say, they, 
If, if they don't bury it under a hundred pounds of good things that they might do, if they don't try to bury it, then what they do is they become so disillusioned with God, they walk away. Because they can't, they can't face themselves. And these poor darlings over here, what, what happens with them is that they just stay stuck forever and they never grow. Your life depends on it. Your joy depends on it. We got to listen. Okay. I'm going to read this text for you. I know I've asked you to sit all the while while reading this text. But this time I'm going to ask you to stand and receive this text. And then we're going to get right into it. We're going to get deep. I want you to, listen to me. I want you to be begging Jesus, God, open my heart. I want to hear what you have to say. I want you to speak to me through your word. I need this more than ever. Even if you don't believe it, go, God, make me believe that I need this more than ever. Help me to hear your word. Psalm 51. By the way, the person who wrote this had committed adultery with one of his best friend's wives, then had him and his other friends murdered so that he's not caught, then kept it a secret for about a year. Beloved, listen to me. Listen to me. You think you can't go there? You think that can't be you? I know that can be me. I know it can. So let's be open and let's hear what God would have to say to us. Psalm 51. And if you want to hear more of that story, go to last week. I literally spent 40 minutes on that one story. And now we're going to come in. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Everybody read verse 2 with me. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Now receive. For I know, stay there. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Listen, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with high sup, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let, the, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise, and we'll end there. This is God's word. Please.
have a seat. If we're going to be free from those pits that totally consume us, if we're going to, like we said, of, of this group of people, or if we're going to be aware, aware of what we could possibly do, recognizing that there's nothing that we can't possibly um, act out on. If that's true, if in fact we want to go beyond this sort of flat line of growth, we're going to have to learn how to do this thing that the Bible speaks about, but that has an ugly, uh, kind of an ugly connotation attached to it. When you hear the word that I'm going to tell you, the solution to what it is to get out of the pit of despair and sin and shame and guilt, you're going to go, oh, no. This, is the, this word is one of the reasons why some of you stopped coming to church. The Bible is going to ask us to repent. Repent. But the question is, we go, but I repented. And listen to me. When you and I repent, many times we don't repent. You know what we do? We just feel bad about either what, the last thing that we did because we can't believe we did that thing or we feel are scared about the consequences that are coming. But we don't repent. We don't biblically repent. And so how do we repent? How do we repent? And so this text shows us how we repent. And if it can work for David, who did all this horrible stuff, it, God can actually do this in our lives. So how do we repent? We, re we repent, listen, we repent by seeing, saying, mourning, and forsaking. We repent by seeing, saying, mourning, and forsaking. Let's do that together. We repent by seeing, saying, mourning, and forsaking. Let's do it with the hand gesture so you, could, so you don't forget. We repent by seeing, saying, mourning, forsaking. Last time. We repent by seeing, saying, mourning, and forsaking. What do I mean? Let's find out. Let's look at the text. Now, before we get into what repentance actually means, and I explain each one to you, I want you to know, and last week we talked about this, I just want to remind you, listen to me, listen to me. The reason that you and I sin is because we know, we think we know what is best for me, better than God. I know, this is how we think, I know what's best for me, better than God. And then, wait, it doesn't stop there. And we say, I want what's best for me, better than God. In other words, God doesn't really want me happy. God doesn't really want me joyful. Only that thing will make me joyful. Only that thing will make me happy. Only that thing will make, do you see? In the end, if you're confused about why you sin, I'm going to give you, right, I'm, right now, I'm going to, I'm literally going to unearth, unmask, tell you why you keep on going back to your sin. 
You go, I don't know why I keep on going back. I don't know why I keep on going back to that guy. I don't know why I keep on going back to that girl. I know it's only going to be painful. I don't know why I keep on going back to that thing. I don't know why I keep on staying bitter. I don't know why I keep on being, I don't know why I keep on doing it. Here's, how, here's why you do it. I'm going to blow your mind. This is awesome. Listen to me. The reason that you do that, for real, I'm, I'm literally going to explain 20 years of your life in sinning. Like seasons of your life when you were caught up. The reason that you sin, the reason that I sin, here it is, you ready? Write this down, you might need to. Because you want to. That's why. Do you you think that there's another reason? It's because you want to. That's why you and I sin. We sin because we want to. And you go, no, 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 you don't understand. I don't want to do that no more. I don't want to act out like that no more. No, 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 beloved, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. You never do anything that you don't want to do. You go, listen, let's, let's take a real crazy circumstance, right? You know, in a movie, right? Like, wh- right, what do you see in a movie, right? A guy puts, straps a bomb to a guy's chest and says, you got to rob this bank. And you got to kill whoever you got to kill, and you got to do whatever you got to do, but you got to bring this money, or, or this bomb is going to explode. Well, he wasn't doing what he wanted to do. He had another choice. But the fact is, is that he wanted his life more than he wanted to spare the lives of those that he would harm. He did what he wanted to do. Let's take a super extreme example. Like Nazis in Germany. Guards who would say as their defense, I, I, I was just following orders. I didn't want to do any of this stuff. No, 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 beloved, you, you wanted to do that. You know how I know? You did it. Because, and here's why you wanted to do it. You wanted to save your own skin rather than save the skin of others. I don't want to act out on this. Of course you do. It's the only reason you act out on stuff. You're confused? It's because you want to. We got to take that deep because we're not, listen to me, we're not playing around with sin. We're not saying we didn't know any better. We're not saying, no, 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 no. We're going, we're seeing it as ugly. Listen, there's this, uh, there's this pastor that I love hearing. Uh, his name is Steve Brown. And he has this wonderful program. It's called Key Life. His voice sounds like a foghorn. He's like one of those deep Barry White sounding voices. And, and he said this, and I never forgot it. He said, he said sometimes you got to kiss that demon on the lips. Sometimes you got to own up to how grimy and dirty and vile you really are. Sometimes you got to kiss that demon on the lips. The reason I act out is because I want to. Can't blame my wife. Can't blame my kids. Can't blame, well, if they would have just, you know, done this or if they would have stopped doing that or started doing this. No, 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 no. Let me tell you why I did it. You know why I yelled? Wanted to. Not because you provoked me. Because I wanted to. Because you know what we find out about temptation? Temptation doesn't produce sin. Temptation simply reveals sin. So we repent, and we repent by seeing, 
by saying, by mourning, and forsaking. Let's look at it. We repent by seeing. Here's how we repent from sin, by seeing it. And we see it as God sees it, not as we like to pretty it up, not with our excuses. We see it as God sees it. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, in your sight, I have, watch this, it says, I have I sinned and done what is evil in, say those two words with me, your sight. I have sinned and done evil in your sight. He's talking to God. We have to see it the way God sees it. Not making excuses, not making, so here's the truth about me. Listen to me. It's, it's the way God sees it. So when I yell at my wife or I lose control, the way I see it is I was tired. I was just impatient. I, was like, I even go up to her like this. I go, oh, man, I was tired and impatient. Sometimes I'm just, I'm so sorry. And if she doesn't forgive me, like, immediately, I go, well, that's on you. you that's your problem. All it was was a little bit of a raised voice. All it was was a few words. All it was was a couple of seconds. But I'm not seeing it the way God sees it. Here's the truth about me. The truth about me is that I wanted to control that situation. And God, I didn't trust you to control the situation. So I moved to control my wife through intimidation. You see, we got to see it the way God sees it. Or even good things that we do. You know what? I'm just too much of a giver. I'm just, I never think of myself. I'm always serving others. It's like, come, come on, come on, come on, come on. Listen, here's the truth. The truth is that you're not a giver, you're a manipulator. And that the reason that you give and that the reason that you serve is so that people can say and act in a way towards you that's favorable to you. That they could go around and saying, look at Edwin, wasn't he a great guy? That's called manipulation. We need to, in your sight, we need to go, okay, God, here's the truth about me. Have, listen, have you ever did something kind for someone that you absolutely did not want to do? Yeah, you know what we call that? We call that lying. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 I did this kind thing. Yeah, yeah, but you did it with a bad attitude. You didn't want to do it. And the reason that you did it is for reasons other than the kind act of love. You see, we sin because we want to, but we got to see it the way God sees it. It's not, listen to me, it's not just, I did it because they made me. It's, I wanted to be God in my own life. I wanted to have your authority, your power, your, that's why. We got to see it. Say it with me. We have to see it. Say it, mourn it, confess it. We got to see it the way God sees it. And you'll never see it the way God sees it unless you're in his word, beloved. You'll never see it the way, you know, listen, all of us walk around. We're adults, right? Everyone here thinks that they can have sex with anyone that they want. You go, and you know why you would think that? You would think that because... God's word is not residing in your heart. 
We think that, oh, that's not your thing? Oh, but you can act, uh, you can act towards your spouse in a way that breaks their heart, and that's no big deal to you. You know why? Because you're not seeing it the way God sees you. You don't see her the way God sees her. You don't see him the way God sees him. Oh, that's not your thing? You know why you hold on to a grudge and don't forgive? Because what they did was so horrible. No, it's not because what they did was so horrible. It's because you don't see how horrible you've been to God. And when you see as God sees, you'll respond as God would have. We see it. We see it. So you got to get into God's word. Take the time to get into God's word. Start reading God's word. Start learning and studying. And there's a bunch of different apps. I, I, I'm really enjoying this app called Read Scripture, all one word, Read Scripture. And what it does is it has these cool videos that show you. It, literally, it's, a, it's an animated video about what, you're about what book you're about to read. And so you read that, so then you see the video, now you understand what you're going to read, and then you start reading it, and God starts to reveal things from his word to you. But there's a bunch of apps like that. But you got to get into it. If you're going to see it, you got to stop going with what the culture says. you got to stop going with what how you were raised says. Because what, that'll all pass. Listen to me. The, all of us have grandparents that if they told us what they really thought about certain things, we'd be embarrassed. Do you think that when you talk to your grandkids, you're not going to have views and beliefs that are based on your culture that are not going to be embarrassing to them? Of course you are. Those things are fleeting. We got to see it. We got to see it the way God sees it. But and then we got to say it. We got to say it. Here we have to confess and take full responsibility for our actions, not sugarcoating. Not acting like minimalizing. We say it. We confess it. We say it to God. We say it to others. We're reminded that we're not here to try to make ourselves look good. We're, we want to see Jesus and we want to grow in him. Do you see this in verse 5 through 7? Look at verse 5. He says, surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. David is admitting that God is not the culprit here. That God has been trying to lead David to himself since he was conceived in the womb. And David has no, what is he saying here? He's saying, I have no excuse. I have no excuse. No, but my wife didn't meet my needs. Oh, but my kids, they were acting. Oh, but I felt the stress at work. Oh, but no, 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 no. Listen to me. Just confess it. No excuses. Now, the problem is, is that when we confess this honestly, okay, can I, can I just go on a tangent, just a little thing for like two minutes? Okay, this is why self-esteem is so damnable. Self-esteem is so damnable because when you work on self-esteem, you have to work to keep self-esteem. And the fact is, is that I, 
am a mess. And the actions that I commit contradict any idea of self-esteem. Beloved, beloved, I don't need to esteem myself. I need to esteem God and fame and celebrate him and then find in him my identity. But if you do this, listen to me, because you go, no, I don't want to do this because that's what I've been doing my whole life, beating myself up. I need to use a feather and not a hammer or, or a bat or something like that. And beloved, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. If you confess like if you didn't have, and this is a great opportunity for me to say, if you don't know Jesus and you're here, this is an awesome opportunity for you to be here because you get to see how Christians really do honestly confess to God without wanting to kill themselves. With Christ, how Christians face up to the ugly and grimy of who they really are without wanting to take their own life, without spiraling into a depression. Here's how, listen to me. When we confess, we are focused on who God is. And by doing that, we, we avoid those pitfalls of wanting to die when we confess. You see, verse 1, we start where David started. Here's where David started. He goes, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, David asks for mercy on the basis, you see that, according to, on the basis of God's never failing, never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. The Hebrew word here for unfailing love is actually one word, it's chesed. Say that with me, chesed. It's chesed. It's God's never failing, never stopping, always persevering, Never giving up, always and forever love. It's the love that never, ever lets us down. We literally just sung about how God never lost a battle. We go back to God's unfailing love. We got to go back to God's unfailing love because we don't win God's love with our behavior. And so we can't lose God's love with our behavior. If we go back to God's unfailing love, then the basis of my relationship with God is not my righteousness, but his unfailing love. It's the chesed. See, here's the thing. If I focused like the world does, if I put my focus where the world does, the world puts its focus on consequences. You messed up. Oh, no, my wife's going to leave me. My kids won't have anything to do with me. I'm never going to be able to get my relationships back. I'm never going to be able to. You focus on consequences. That results, when we focus on consequences, that results in hate for self. Because now you've got to live with your consequences. You get, every time you, you feel the pain of the consequence, you're like, how could I be so stupid? How could I have done such a thing? How could I? And I'm reminded all the time. Every time I got to take, every time I got to open that little pillbox, I go, oh, how could I have been so stupid? Every time, every time my, my spouse throws it up in my face, I go, oh, how could I have been so stupid? So it, what it leads is to hate for self. But when we gospel repent, we focus on Jesus. And that leads 
to hate for sin. You see the difference? Hate for self or hate for sin. We got to see it. We got to say it, confess it as it actually is. But then we got to mourn it. Do you see what David says in verse 4? He says this. He says, you, you only have I sinned against you, you only. Whenever in the Hebrew you see words that are uh, doubled up together, that's for emphasis. That means against you. No, really, it was you. Only have I sinned. It's why in other places in the Bible, when you hear God is not holy or holy, holy, he's holy, holy, holy. It's emphasis, like God is the most holy. He goes, you, you only have I sinned. He recognizes that he didn't just break. Listen, when we sin, we don't just break a, a law. We don't just break God's law. We break God's heart. When we sin, we're not just breaking a rule. We're breaking God's heart. When you see it that way, and you go to him, you mourn the right things. In my journal, just a few days ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, I was writing, God, I'm sorry for the way I'm sorry. Because I'm always sorry about consequences. I'm always sorry about um, what I did and why I did it and why I couldn't be better and after all you've done for me and all that stuff. And it, it, when I'm, my sorry needs to be God. I need to look to Jesus. My sin caused that the Son of God would have to decide to lay down his life for me on the cross. We see the real consequences for our sin when we see Jesus on the cross. Just the other day, we were um, on a prayer meeting, and we were Zoom-bombed. Has anybody here ever been Zoom-bombed uh, in a, a Zoom meeting? There's a few of us, okay. So in this particular case, they showed a disgusting uh, decapitation, like a real decapitation. It was awful. And when we saw it, it was just like one of those horrific things. I, I still don't have it out of my mind. It's, it was really, really bad. When I sin, I need to start looking at this is what death looks like. This is what sin looks like. It looks like death. Death on a cross. Him paying for my sin so that I could be made right with him. We have to mourn it. And the way we mourn it is by seeing the ultimate end of our sin. So we see it, we say it, we mourn it, and then we forsake it. Now, as the singers come up, now, this part here where we forsake it, and remember, in just a few minutes, we're going to be partaking in communion. This is just for family. That means... If you know Jesus and you love Jesus and you want Jesus in your heart and you want to live for him, then you take communion. You're reminded that for your sin, his body was broken. You're reminded that his blood was shed. You're reminded. But basically, 
the fourth, the fourth point is a byproduct of the first three. If we're seeing it rightly, seeing our sin rightly, and we're confessing our sin rightly, we're saying it rightly, and we're um, mourning it rightly, then we'll forsake our sin. We'll, we'll start turning from it. And the reason that we will is because we recognize that repentance, we don't see it, say it, and for, uh, we don't see it, say it, and mourn it, and then be done with it. Sometimes I'm walking down the street and I'll have this terrible thought in my mind and I'll just have to go, God, I want that more than you. Would you make me want you more than that thing that I just imagined? Lord, I... Here, it's in verse 12. Let me show you what I mean. Do you see verse 12? Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Pause. And of course David would say that, right? When you and I sin, we try to take joy in something other than our salvation. We take joy in something other than God. So we can say, restore to me the joy. Of course David could say, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Because he had just sinned with Bathsheba. He had just murdered Uriah and others. He had just covered it up. He had just acted like he did nothing wrong. Of course he would ask, Restore to me the joy of your salvation after he sinned. But I'm here to tell you, listen to me. You never sin unless you first lose the joy of your salvation. It's both ways. The reason that I sin is because I lost. You know what it is? I forgot about your embrace, so I want her embrace. I forgot about your provision. So I want to steal and thieve and manipulate so I can provide for myself. I forgot that you're in total control, so I manipulate and control areas of my life. Don't you see? He says, restore to me the joy of, my salva of your salvation because he has sinned, but he would have never sinned. If he'd not prayed that first, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation before my sin. And that's how we forsake we go, God, here's the truth about me. I want that more than you. I think that salvation of my loneliness is that, him, her, it, that. And so we go back to God maybe a hundred times a day and just, God, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. We forsake it. We ask that God would renew a steadfast spirit in us. So could you imagine? Could you imagine if we repented like this? Where we wouldn't be stuck in the pit or we wouldn't act like this could never be us or we don't flatline, but we actually go to God and we start repenting over the, what we think are small things, desires that are hidden in our heart. Could you imagine what would your life be like? Here's what will happen. Listen to me. You'll start growing. Here's what else will happen. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. It, it won't be willpower. It'll be the joy of the Lord. Beloved, I want you to experience the joy 
of the Lord. I want you to experience that. But we gotta repent. And so for those of you who don't know Jesus, that's your first step. And the way you repent is simply, listen, you admit, you believe, you commit. Well, actually, it's the first two that produces the third. So you admit, admit that you're a sinner, no excuses. Believe that Jesus not only died for your sin, but rose from the dead for your salvation so that you might have intimacy with him. And then confess. Confess that Jesus, I'm sorry, commit your body to him. God, wherever you want my mouth to say, whatever you want my body to go, whatever you want my hands to do, that's what I want to do. You can do that now. You don't have to wait for anything. As we wait for our brothers and sisters to do business with God, and just go, God, forgive me. I want to remind you of the great, um, beautiful gift that God gave us. On the last night, and this is, listen to me, this is for the repentant ones, not the perfect ones. This is for the repentant ones. The ones who have run to Jesus recognizing that only he can save them out of their muck and mire, out of their grimy and dirty. This is for the repentant ones. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He took the bread and broke it. And he said, listen to me, all of your sins have demanded that blood be shed, your blood be shed. But Jesus, who is God, said, no, I'll shed my blood in your place. He said, this is my body who's broken for you. If you have the bread, would you take it out now? We'll take it together in a second. This is my body. It's his incredible sacrifice for our sin that can allow us to repent. Receive his sacrifice. My body broken for you. Do this remembering all he's done. Take. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your broken body that we didn't deserve, but we gladly receive. Thank you. On the same night, at the same dinner, at the end of the dinner, after they had finished eating, he took the cup and he took their drink. He said, this is my blood 
this is my blood poured out for you. The one who thinks he can't ever be forgiven. For you. He did it for you. Take it personal. This is my blood poured out for you. Drink, remembering what it cost him to save you and bring you to repentance. Take, drink. Father, would you draw us to yourself? Would you help us to find in you the joy of our salvation? Would you help us this week, even before we sin, to pray, restore to me the joy of my salvation so that the joy of these sins don't captivate me? Make that true for me, oh God. Make that true for us. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.